Thanks to a very gracious grant from the Vesper Society, uh, Dr. Wyndham Hughes, Jamie, and I, and Spirit with Dr. Gill went to the, uh, had a wonderful opportunity to go to the Interfaith Leadership Institute in Philadelphia, where the Interfaith Youth Corps equipped us with the tools necessary to run a Better Together campaign at CLU. We were joined by cohorts from around the nation whom individually represented a plethora of religious, philosophical, and experiential backgrounds. Although the paths we came from were different. We all had converged at the same place at a time, at the same place and time with a fiery passion for building interfaith relationships and being better together for a better world. IFYC taught us three key components to interfaith work, voice, engage, and act. First, we needed to find our own individual voices and articulate our unique story. Part of our Better Together campaign is holding tight to CLU's hospitality to diversity and embracing the relationship between faith and reason through CLU's Lutheran tradition. When they reached across differences and engaged others through storytelling and seeking to understand, when we then reached across differences and engaged others through storytelling and seeking to understand one another. Back on campus, campus ministries come together now in our faith dialogue meals, and the Secular Student Alliance's enriching religious site visits are just a couple of the venues we are working with for the Engage uh, component. Ultimately, IFYC aims to bring people together regardless and because of their diversity to act in concert with one another through community service and social justice. CLU's clubs and organizations are pre-existing opportunities for engagement and outreach, so we are working with them to unite in the spirit of interfaith for a massive campaign in the spring. The service learning campaign pertains to water consumption and was a conference finalist back in Philadelphia. More info to come, but we hope you join us in this endeavor. IFYC at CLU is a team of allies and liaisons open to everyone, students, faculty, staff, administration, and the community alike. One of the gifts from the Interfaith Leadership Institute that we'd like to share with you is the practice of rooting ourselves deep within our values and branching out to engage in conversation with others. We have a couple questions that we will model for you, uh, and the questions are projected on the wall at some point and also printed in your bulletin. For me, being an interfaith humanist means committing myself to learning about different religions and philosophies and how each contributes to an understanding, to understanding a unique perspective of the world. After studying abroad and coming to understand my interfaith family heritage, I thrive on learning about the intersectionality of those perspectives, particularly regarding compassion and human rights. While studying the atrocities of blinding ideologies that have led to genocide and oppression, which has certainly played a toll on my sanity, I find reconciliation and learning about, and eventually, hopefully, providing humanitarian efforts to rebuild society through education and uplifting the equality of men and women in the spirit of compassion. Kabir was one of the great poet saints of India. He lived in the 1300s. Uh, this means he pre-existed the founders of the Sikh tradition, but his compositions were included in the Sikh scripture, or the Guru Granth Sahib, which some Sikhs boast is the world's only interfaith scripture. Kabir is a fascinating figure, caustic and sarcastic, low caste or outcast, belonging neither to Hindus or Muslims, claimed by both, and by the six. Here, in the hymn about, I'm about to read, he rebukes us in what is not an easy message of interfaith, but nevertheless reminds us that we can do better, that interfaith is hard, if not impossible, 
And that's why it's necessary. You've forgotten your religion, madman. You've forgotten your religion. You fill your belly, sleep like a beast, and lose your human life. You mingle not with a society of saints ever and are engrossed in false pursuits. You wander like a dog, a pig, and a crow. You shall soon arise and depart. You deem yourself as great and others but small. Those who are evil in thought, word, and deed, them I have seen going to hell. The lustful, the wrathful, the clever, the deceitful, and the idlers, they waste their life in slandering others and remember not their Lord ever. Says Kabir, the fools, the blockheads, and the brutes meditate not on their Lord. They realize not the Lord's name. How shall they be ferried across? Well, speaking from my tradition, I'm a Christ follower. And so for me, embracing difference comes from Jesus himself. When he ate with people that they, they all thought that he was crazy for eating with. And he even cared about the religious leaders, which he got upset at. So when we think about embracing difference, it's about, it's about who did Jesus hang out with? Everyone. He cared for everyone that was in his path. Um, and so that's where I really am rooted in embracing difference and in just building relationships, even if we disagree. Um, and then from my tradition, pursuing forgiveness and reconciliation, I mean, that's what Jesus did for us. That's where I understand how to truly forgive and reconcile with others is because Jesus did that on the cross. For me, he died and he rose again in my understanding that that, that forgiveness that, that he gave to me, I am called to give for others and to reconcile others um, and be that in the world. And so that's where my tradition speaks to that. I'm Colleen Wyndham Hughes. I'm an ordained United Methodist minister and religion faculty here at CLU. And the first time my world was broken wide open by religious difference, I was on my middle school campus, 12 years old, in the midst of struggles between different populations of the school and claims to God and claims to the world that conflicted with one another. And there were hurt feelings, and there were fights, and there were questions. And it was a crisis for me. It was a crisis in two ways. How do I live and continue going to school with these people? And who is this God that I have been worshiping and my family claims to worship? And so I decided that the best way to live with the people at the school for the minute was to keep my mouth closed. My dad was always trying to train me in the arts of diplomacy and silence is the first step so often. And I went straight for the theological question. God, how can this be that so many people claim you and worship you in different ways and see you in different ways? And that theological question became for me a widening of who God is. That God is bigger than I had ever imagined. And I'd like to say toward those people who were fighting, bigger than they had ever imagined. And my 12-year-old self, how cool is God that God has inspired so many different kinds of worship and life in the world? 
So with that theology, I went back to how do I live with others, and I thought, well, it seems to me that God likes them. <laughs> Maybe I should try a little harder. So in my tradition at ordination, we're asked, are you going on toward perfection? Are you going on toward perfection? You? 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 In my tradition, what that means is perfect love of God and perfect love of neighbor. And what enables me and equips me in my tradition to embrace difference and to pursue forgiveness and reconciliation is that practice is the most important thing to us. Not necessarily what we think, not necessarily what we understand about the Bible, but precisely how we live together in the world. That's why we're called Methodists. Our method includes showing up together, praying, singing, holding silence, and asking each other, how is it with your soul? How are you walking in this world? Okay, so now it's your turn. We're going to ask everyone to get up and meet someone you don't know, and you have a minute to answer this first question. And we're going to start the timer, so everybody get up. What? Be real and go deep. And we're going to start the timer now. You get to practice it one more time. The rules for this are be real, go deep, repeat. So here's the repeat part. One more minute, and I'll be uh, stopping you if you don't listen to Jamie. And then just switch partners, too, so that you can get different perspectives as well. And we're moving on to the second question now. Well, that minute went quick, didn't it? Okay, I'm going to be loud this time, so we're, uh, we're ending this session, but it's awesome, and isn't it fabulous how you can get together and hear from different perspectives and learn from one another. So thank you so much for participating. Um, we urge you to continue this in your everyday life and with people who are maybe vastly different, but have so much to offer. It is, interest- it is interesting that the theme of forgiveness is now, as in our Jewish tradition, on Tuesday afternoon, Tuesday evening, we begin the holiday of Yom Kippur. Uh, this is a whole 24 hours period of asking for forgiveness from each other, from our family members, from our friends, praying for and do our part in forgiving. So basically this is the theme of Yom Kippur, forgiveness. And it's from us to God and God and, and we and, and people. I would like to read to you from our Siddur, our prayer book, A Prayer for Forgiving. Master of the universe, I hereby forgive whoever has hurt me and whoever has done me any wrong, whether deliberately or accidentally, whether by word or by deed. May no one will be punished on my account. May it will be your will, O Lord, my God, and God of my ancestors, that I sin no more. 
that I not revert to my old ways, that I not anger you anymore with my actions. Wipe away my sins with your great compassion. May these words of my mouth and the prayers that are in my heart be acceptable before you, O Lord, my rock and redeemer. Amen. Please stand. The blessings of God be with you all. Amen.